This episode is brought to you by my mom's Easter care package, which I hope I'm never too old for. I'm Daniel Lance, joined by co-host Paul Gilman, and from Paul's Basement Studios, this is Pod So One. This episode, we're joined by newlyweds Katie and Niels de Koning. Katie, our senior podcast advisor, fills us in on her background from losing her Miami home during Hurricane Andrew to chasing the dream of living in New York City. Niels, who was Virginia-born and Netherlands-raised, breaks down American misconceptions about the Netherlands and Dutch history and reveals the truth about wooden shoes. Finally, we hear about how their story started with a super-like on Tinder and culminated in a completely unexpected proposal on a misty day in Montreal. So here are Katie and Niels, and as always, thank you for listening. Thank you guys. Thank you, Katie and Niels, for coming on to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having us. Um, We should should remind everybody, Daniel, that uh, Katie is one of our coaches. Oh, that's absolutely true. So Katie is a podcast coach. Uh, Maybe we'll see some of that action today. Senior Um, podcast coach. Senior. <laughs> well, well, we'll see what our other podcast coaches have to say about that, but you can have that title. Um, so you guys are married, just getting that out there. Uh, and you're both, I'm assuming, working from home right now. Is that right? And not for me. No. No? Oh, no. really? Going well to work every day. Yeah. And so uh, what, what do you do and why, isn't, why is it not affected by COVID? So I work for a company uh, who makes robotic uh, packaging systems. Um, and we do a lot of work for pharmaceutical and food companies. So they, uh, we supply them with either aftermarket parts or repairs or new machines, um, which makes us an essential business and staying open during this pandemic. How do you say that? Pandemic. Pandemic. Wow, uh, that's, that's awesome. Um, and uh, Katie, I'm assuming you're working from home? I am, yeah. I've been working from home since, I think, tomorrow will be exactly three three weeks. Three weeks already? Or two weeks. I thought two. Maybe just two, two weeks? Yeah. Two weeks? I'm, I have lost track of time. I don't know what day it is. I don't know. It's been two weeks and three days since we were in the office. Besides, you know, the obvious being at home, like, how has your life changed since having to work from home, Katie? I think just trying to force myself to be more disciplined day to day and not just staying in sweatpants and showering like every other four or five days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like you have to like get up, walk the dog. I used to, before all this, we have like a lead in the backyard where we can like put the dog on the leash and he can roam around the yard, but he is like on his leash so he can't leave. But I force myself to like take him for walks now. And I think just making sure to leave the living room at a certain point in time is very important. So forcing myself to be more disciplined rather than just having a normal routine handed to me every day, I think. Mm-hmm. And also I eat a lot more. I eat constantly. Like That hasn't changed much. <laughs> I eat constantly. <laughs> like three lunches, two dinners, just the fridge is too close. Peanut butter cookies. And so Niels, you're still going to work every day, but have how have things changed with regard to like your job and your company? Well, first of all, Katie's home when I get home now from work, so I don't get my peace and quiet for half an hour to an hour. 
Well, he leaves at like five. Well, he wakes up at five thirty, and he's out the door by six thirty in the morning. So he gets home. He leaves before me and gets home before yeah. me. Yeah. So, but at work, um, we're basically working with a skeleton crew. Um, all the engineers, office people, whoever can work from home is working from home. Um, my job title is I'm uh, the fabrication supervisor. So me and my team, we have to be on the shop floor making parts, making machines uh, to get out the door. So we're required to be uh, in the in uh, in the facility to make those parts. But other than the skeleton crew, um, we have to keep six feet distance. There's Lysol everywhere. Um, we might start working in different shifts uh, depending on how this COVID is going to evolve over time. But our company is very, um, very cautious about this and doing everything they can to also keep us working so we can keep all the supply chains going, but also to keep us safe. His, uh, the place that he works is really cool to take a tour on. You just go in and it's like, have you ever seen that show, How It's Made, where they'll show you how like a candy cane's made and it's all the conveyor belts and all the people testing things. And then um, I might have told the story before, but I'll tell, tell it again because I don't think I've told it within the last seven minutes. Um, but when Niels and I first started dating, he we went on like, I think our second date yeah and same. we were walking back to the car and he was like do you like cup of noodles and i was like obviously i like cup of noodles who doesn't <laughs> like cup of noodles and so he uh, went to the car and he was like i have a bunch that i can give you and he did like a trunk pop like he's gonna show me a dead body or something <laughs> trunk pops open and it's just hundreds of like cup of noodles and pallets and he gives me so many pallets of cup of noodles i had to look like around it to find my way back to my car because it was piled so far <laughs> above my head and i was eating cup of noodles for months after that so what wait what's the context does he oh well, yeah, yeah that's important so when we, <laughs> so when, we when, when we make a machine um we get samples from whoever is um buying a machine from us to test the equipment and to make the equipment basically work. So afterwards, most of the time we get to either, we either have to discard the stuff or we can distribute it among employees. Um, and with that customer, we got to keep it ourselves. So I took advantage of that to uh, get Katie. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that was one of their clients and they just give them tons of stuff to like test it with so he just had all those extras i guess and it just so happened to be when we first started dating what's the coolest thing you brought home Niels? um well we did a lot so the noodles were pretty cool um we did uh, one for a company that makes the the big garden trash bags oh yeah so we have a probably two years worth supply of those he makes me rake and like um, bag them in them. <laughs> I hate it. Um, the, the duct tape. Um, do you do jello or pudding? There's also fresh stuff, but of course we cannot, well, we're allowed to keep them, but we toss them because they're out on the floor and not refrigerated and that kind of mm -hmm. stuff. So we just use them for testing and then it Ooh, gets they, discarded. They did Lunchables, didn't you? Lunchables, yes. Lunchables. I don't know if we're allowed to say brand names though, but. Oh. Yeah, yeah it's all good. All good. Yeah. Okay. If you're not paying us anything, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
let's talk about Katie a little bit. Um, I, I heard this uh, in our last conversation, and I, I was like, I can't believe that I didn't ask you more about this. But when you were a kid, your house was obliterated by a tornado in no, Florida. Okay, man. Yeah. <clears throat> they don't have, yeah, hurricane. Sorry. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, I was born in Miami, and in the last conversation we have, Daniel said that that was the coolest thing about me. <laughs> <laughs> All that's. that's I said that's when you peaked. That's when I peaked. Yeah. And what was that, two? Okay, I moved when I was six, so oh. six years old. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I, we lived in Miami, <clears throat> right by the zoo, Miami-Dade Zoo, and Hurricane Andrew was coming, um, but I, from what I remember, it wasn't, I mean, not that I was told at the time, because I had no idea what was going on, but since then, it wasn't supposed to hit Miami. I think it was supposed to go around kind of in, into the Gulf. But last minute, it um, took a different path, and they hadn't had anybody evacuate, which is why there was so, um, I think, a lot more damage and destruction and potentially lives lost. Don't, I want to fact check me on that. But um, we were in the house. And once it started, I remember my dad scrambling and putting like those X's on the windows with tape, like that was going to do anything. We were just going from, I think it's supposed to help with like wind or like something like it helps maybe the wind, the windows not shatter. I don't know. It it strengthens it in theory. In theory. Yeah. yeah. Um, But then um, we started, I was so young. So like it was my mom, my dad and I am an only child and we were in their bedroom and then it got really bad and they had a big sliding glass door in their bedroom. So then we went, to my bedroom but it also got bad on that side of the house and like we could tell like parts of like the roof were blowing off so then we ended up going into um the hallway and we put like a mattress over our head and it was the three of us and also our cat at the time named jelly after the plastic shoes and uh we were in the hallway <laughs> you, you say that like i know what you're talking about yeah same for me i have no <laughs> idea what jellies are daniel anybody do you know what those are no jelly shoes <laughs> Okay. That's a it's a it's a Florida thing. No, it's a it's probably more of a '90s girl thing. But then they came around again, probably like in the mid, to like 2005-ish, trying to make a, a comeback, but they didn't really happen. Wait, what are they? They're like plastic shoes. You've definitely seen them. They're like purple or pink or clear, glittery. They're just completely made out of plastic. Like Crocs. Mmm, not like Crocs. Cuter. But the cat. They let me name the cat, and I named it after her shoes. And then we just went, we ended up, the last location was we were in a closet in the extra bedroom, all my mom, my dad, and I, and the cat, and till it all passed. And then I just remember at one point thinking it was over, but it was the eye of the storm. And then we went back into the closet. And then uh, by the time it was all over, we walked outside and the room that we were in and I think one other room were the only two rooms that were really still standing. The roof was completely off. Everything inside of the house was drenched. My parents' photo albums, like their wedding albums and everything like that had, were just drenched with water. There were like people's stuff from their houses in the neighbor's pools, cars upside down. It was just insane. So we moved into a apartment building for a couple of years while they rebuilt the house. And then we moved up to Virginia after that. How, how long, what were you in the closet for if you had to guess i would say a handful of hours at least i remember them singing like old mcdonald and stuff like that 
to, and like trying to keep me occupied at the same time, which now looking back, like how terrifying for a parent. And I think it was a category five. Um, it, I, it, my recollection is it was a, at least a four when it hit, it may have been a five around landfall. It was, it was a massive hurricane. They activated, uh, or they didn't activate, they actually brought the 82nd Airborne from North Carolina to Florida to help rebuild. It was insane. It was insane. I remember walking around the neighborhood afterwards, and it's just the pictures. Just, if you like just do Google image search of the photos. I remember walking around the neighborhood, and um, we walked through a, a few houses down a neighbor's yard, and she had like a little unicorn toy in the yard, and I ran and I picked it up. And I, you know those random little kid memories? You're like, I don't know how I remember that. I was so little. You can't take that. That's looting. And then I put the unicorn back <laughs> of down. And, <laughs> of course your dad would say that. <laughs> and then he wouldn't let me take the unicorn. He told me, so that's when I learned what looting was. <laughs> Too young six year old. looting. <laughs> Do you know why uh, you moved to Virginia? Um, I, for a long time, I thought it was because of the hurricane, but I think that it had something to do with my dad's job. Like either he got transferred and moved up there to a different branch, or he got maybe laid off because of the catastrophe and then got a new job up in Virginia, something of that sort. Mm -hmm. But he was able to find a job in Chesapeake and then we moved up there. Do you think that your parents after the hurricane happened were thinking like, maybe if there's a chance to get out of Florida, we should, or was it more like this kind of thing happens, we'll rebuild it, it'll be fine? I think they were thinking, we have a six-year-old, we should probably maybe look for get something that's here. not, one Miami, I think they, they, for the reasons they moved to Miami are the reasons they wanted to leave Miami with a six-year-old. So they wanted, they moved down there like in their early 20s, wanted to go like party, have fun, do what early 20 somethings do in Miami. And then they had me, I was six, this huge catastrophe happened and they were like, all right, time for a more settled life, maybe in the suburbs, the whole package. So they moved us up to have the kind of, that kind of life and rather calm down a little bit maybe. Mm. So you were six or seven by then. And then did you hang out in Richmond uh, for the rest of your life? <laughs> she went to Chesapeake, man. Great bridge. Great bridge. Yeah, I did my research. Let's talk about Camp Kukachuki. <laughs> no, it's Kukachuki. I'm sorry, Camp Kukachuki. Oh man. Um, went to Chesapeake. I didn't even go to Richmond until VCU. You know, until yeah, VCU. When I decided to go to VCU, and then after that, I lived in New York City for five years. So I do remember that. Yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> well, no, I knew it was wrong as it was coming out of my mouth, but I just had to say the whole sentence. Um, why did you go to New York City again? Um. So I always wanted to live there. Love the city. I mean, it's a hard city not to love when you are visiting, and uh, so. When I got out of VCU, I would still go with friends and stuff all the time and loved it. And I saved, I worked a couple years out of college, saved up money, and then moved up there um, when I was 24. And living there is a lot different than vacationing there, which I learned pretty quickly. It's a, it's a tough city to live in. It's, the hustle's very hard. Mm. Financially, physically, emotionally, like 
I sometimes now I think about how easy my day to day is compared to waking up at, you know, when it's still dark outside, hour, hour and a half door to door from my apartment to my job, working a full day, getting home when it's what, like eight, eight thirty, nine o'clock at night, eat dinner, go to bed, do it all over again. But it's also, it's not just like mentally exhausting, but physically exhausting. I would take like a, well, the last year I lived there, I took a ferry and then I took three subways and then a shuttle to get there. Other than when I lived in Brooklyn, I like walked a mile and a half and then I got on my subway station and then I got to Queens and then I transfer over to Manhattan. And then by the time you get to work, you feel like you've had an entire day already. And then you're still living paycheck to paycheck. And you're like, what is this all for? <laughs> Where am I going with this? What's the end goal? Wow. Yeah. Which place did you live that you liked uh, the most in New York? Um, so I originally moved there with the guy that I was dating at the time. Sorry, Niels. But uh, well, Niels is married to you now, so it's all good. Yeah, yeah this was also it's like old. twelve years, no, ten years ago. Um, but uh, we had moved there, and then we ended up breaking up like two months after we moved there, and he moved back to Virginia, and I was there by myself, and we lived in Bed Stuy. And Bed Stuy, we lived a few blocks away from the Marcy Housing Projects, which is where Jay Z grew up, and. He worked at the Crown Fried Chicken on the corner of my block that I used to go to when I would come home from bars with my friends. And you'd go into Crown Fried Chicken and you just get a bunch of fried chicken. And they had a picture in the window of Jay-Z when he worked there with his Crown Fried Chicken uniform on and his name tag said Jigga. And I was the whitest person for miles. <laughs> and like, I sometimes I find security in being such like a tall, like, figure for a woman. Like, I feel like I am safer than maybe I am usually, but I would walk around constantly, like go out with friends, take the subway home at like one, two in the morning. Don't tell my mom. And she, I, or I would just, you know, go get food and walk around like I own the place, but I would still probably now look back and be like, what was I thinking? I should not have been walking around at night alone as a woman, but I am kind of big. I feel like I can take anybody. I thought you were going to tell us you knew Jay-Z really well and you could get him on the podcast. <laughs> you that's wish episode, that's episode two yeah <laughs> part two of Niels yeah. and Katie special guests Jay-Z Niels, Katie and Jay-Z yeah <laughs> so I lived in Bed-Stuy and I convinced my friend Ben who I worked at the Jefferson with in college to move in with me because he moved up there at the same time and I was living in this tiny crappy apartment in Bed-Stuy and he was renting a room in Park Slope with like these two dentists and it was beautiful and I was like Ben, do you really want to live in this beautiful apartment in Park Slope when you could be living with me in Bed-Stuy? And he fell for it and he moved in with me. And to bring it back to Paul's original question, what's my favorite place that I've lived in in New York? And I have to say, any place that I lived with Ben, he's to this day one of my best friends. He is the funniest. He was like home for me there because also he was from Virginia. We knew each other since college. And then he moved in with me in Bed-Stuy. We lived in two different apartments in Bed-Stuy. Then we moved to uh, like Clinton Hill together close to Fort Greene Park, which was really, really fun year because it had a little bit more like bars and restaurants around at that point. And it had, we were close to the park. And then after that, my last year, I lived in Staten Island, which I think was the beginning of the end. So um, then you really missed uh, Richmond after being away a few, few years and you came back. Yeah, I came back. Well, at that point, my parents have moved from Great Bridge to Richmond. And uh, so I missed them. I missed all my friends who still lived here. I was financially drained. 
I had the guy that I was dating up there at the time had, we had broken up and I just felt like there was really nothing left up there for me anymore. So I came back down and it, it's, I don't regret it for a second. Having been to New York and come back. Um, do, so do you think that there's something to like the romance of it all that people say, Oh, I want to go live in New York. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there. Niels disagrees. Niels is more of like a country kind not of like rural. I I've been to New York two or three times now. I I just don't get the appeal of it. The first time was fine, seeing all the sights and doing that. I'm more of a well. I would I love Washington D.C. a hundred times better than New York. But there's something about living there as opposed to vacationing. Like I think. This, I don't know. You get to know those like local hole in the wall pubs that you like go to with your like every Friday night. You're like, we're going to this place. Like Ben and I would always go to the skate bar Metropolitan in Williamsburg, or we go to Union Pool, or these all these places where you just you get get to know the bartenders. These restaurants, these amazing restaurants. The food. I think I, think I miss the food. I still follow a bunch of the restaurants that we used to go to all the time on Instagram, and I see them like the dishes I'd get all the time still serving them. And I think it's, there's an energy about the city. It's electric. It's, I, I do, I still love it after all this time. And I think if I were a millionaire, I'd buy like an apartment there. But I think if the hustle is just too hard to maintain for sure, mm -hmm. but I think there is something to be said for the electricity. Just me. Awesome. Cool. So let's transition to uh, talking to Niels a bit. And Niels, you can speak in English or Dutch. It's your call. I'll do Dutch. <laughs> you can do you can do at least one uh, answer in Dutch. How about that? Sounds good. Okay. I like, oh, but I maybe let's see. I'd like to point out that Niels doesn't usually have a mustache. This is a new development. He the other day came downstairs after he was like upstairs for quite a long time, and he came down. and He was like, "Look at this," and I just had a and she said, "It's kind of sexy." I didn't say that. <laughs> I promise you that's what she I said. Think he made that. I think I was on Instagram and I was like, hmm. Well, and then <laughs> with us, so I, the reason behind it was shock value to Katie, but also going into, still going into work amid all this uh, COVID stuff. You got to have a laugh sometimes. So why not have a weird yeah, mustache? You got to mix it up. Laugh? I like that. Yeah. So I, I might shave my head tomorrow. Who knows? <laughs> cool. So, Niels, uh, you were born in the U.S., right? Correct. I'm more of a local to Richmond than Katie is. He never lets me forget it. Oh, nice. <laughs> I, well, we're in Mechanicsville right now, and I was born probably five or six miles from here. Yeah, he was born in Mechanicsville. At the uh, hospital there off of uh, near 295. Yeah, correct. Yes. Yeah. That's where my uh, younger two kids were born. Yeah, so I... I, Whoa, I really? Yeah. Awesome. That's crazy. Yeah, so I lived in Battlefield Green until I was almost five. Battlefield Green's been there a long time. I lived uh, across uh, 360 from there. Yeah, so Battlefield, what, what I don't remember, but my mom does, and basically she said Battlefield Green was basically one of the first neighborhoods, and the 360 was just a long road, and there was hardly anything in between Richmond and Battlefield Green. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm, I'm old enough to remember that. You were definitely in the country as a small kid. Correct. But it was kind of a suburban neighborhood, uh, as I remember, or pictures and that kind of stuff. Right. So why, why did you end up going back uh, to Europe, to the Netherlands, when you were, what, five or six? 
five or six, yeah. So my parents are both Dutch. Um, they moved here for work uh, for a Dutch company that they, they were starting up a, uh, a company here in the US. Um, after a while, my dad started his own company. And um, my parents got a divorce, I think when I was almost, well, four, almost five. And with all the family being in the Netherlands, my mom said, well, we're going back. So we moved back to the Netherlands. Um, and that's basically how we got back from America to the Netherlands. And so what are your memories of uh, growing up as a child in the Netherlands? How did you spend your time? Uh, what are your memories? Oh, um, like Katie said, I think it's almost similar. Um, go home till the streetlights come on, which is in the Netherlands in the summer, not till 10, 30 p.m., something like that, because we're a little bit more north. Um, very safe. School was a three-minute walk. Um, as a lot of people know, in the, in the Netherlands, you bike a lot. So everybody has bicycles. So we would bike everywhere and anywhere. Very safe um, uh, as, a, as a child. And then once we get, how do you say it, middle school, I guess, or high school, the school systems are different. I'm still, I still have no understanding of the school systems here in America. So yeah. Niels, uh Everybody owns a bike over there. How many cars are, are over there? I get the impression that some families have cars and some don't. Um, a lot of families have cars nowadays. Um, I know when we moved, uh, of course, we, my mom was building her life back up, but we didn't own a car for a couple of years. And I, I'm pretty certain that you could uh, live a couple of times o over and don't need a car. The public school, the public system, public transport system is so good uh, in the Netherlands. You can get basically anywhere and everywhere, either by train, bus, subway. Um, and nowadays, rent the the bike, the the public transportation even lets you rent a bike for the day, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I've, I've never been in the Netherlands, but my impression from afar is it's a, it's a very efficient place and a very clean place uh, and a very friendly place. Very, very multicultural. So we have a lot of people uh, who, a lot of Moroccan, Turkish, Mediterranean people who came as laborers during the 70s who stayed. So it's very, very diverse. Um, what says like, well, the, the Dutch don't have the best history, to be honest. We didn't do the nicest things back in the days. Um, but nowadays as a country, I think we could be, we could be an example to a lot of places on how multicultural we are um, and being open to everybody. And I think, Paul, you touched on kind. They are the kindest people I've ever met in my entire life. Whenever uh, his family comes over to visit, half of, no, three quarters of their suitcase is gifts for us that they brought over from the Netherlands. Oh, oh, oh. they're definitely not like Americans. Oh, no, my. definitely not. That strobe waffles, vacuum vacuum sealed Dutch cheeses, magazines in Dutch for Niels to read, uh, like cute socks. What they've gotten me wooden shoes before, like the clogs. They brought over wooden shoes. Oh, oh I was going to wooden shoes next. Yeah, <laughs> oh, we've got a lot of them around here. Told you what people call her in the fifth source. What do they call me in the thrift store? The wooden shoes girls. Oh yeah, because at class and trash in Richmond, they whenever I go there, they'll have like a pair of wooden shoes, and I'll the first time I bought them, and then I went a second time a couple weeks later, made another pair, and I was like, well, I kind of buy them, and so I bought a second pair, and the lady goes, 
are you the girl that bought the wooden shoes last time? And I was like, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> but just to be clear, I've never worn wooden shoes in my life. But when we were over there in November, I saw a real human being riding a bicycle wearing wooden shoes. It doesn't seem practical, right? It seems like it would be very, very uncomfortable to wear wooden shoes. So in my town, it was, I knew one guy who would wear wooden shoes full time. Um, and he would wear like woolen socks in his wooden shoes. And he would go through, I don't want to lie, but I would say eight or nine pairs a year. Because walking, <laughs> walking, on, walking on the stones. And they're pink. They would rub off. So the wood would get thin and you would have to buy a new pair. What does that come out of? They just didn't have the technology to build normal leather shoes? Um, so Netherlands, it's below sea level. So it's a lot of mud, a lot of clay. Uh, and wood was just a little bit more waterproof than leather was st uh, stitching it together back in the day. Yeah, before uh, they really mastered rubber, I guess, for a uh, shoe wear. Yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 yeah, they haven't discovered Crocs in the Netherlands yet. <laughs> I, I, I still don't think they have. <laughs> that's, that's probably a good thing. Hey, well, Niels, um, is, is there a misconception you think that Americans have about the Netherlands in general? Oh, yes, definitely. Um, definitely that where the Netherlands is located. Uh, we're not part of Denmark. Um, Amsterdam is actually the capital of the Netherlands, and Amsterdam is not a separate country. Um, Holland and the Netherlands, and I get that misconception is a lot of people call it Holland, but that comes from people going to Amsterdam, and Amsterdam is actually the capital of the province that called South Holland. So it's not the entire nation, but people just assume. So wait, Holland isn't the same thing as the Netherlands? Okay. Well, in, in American, <laughs> yes it is. But technically, no, it's technically like Virginia is to the United States. Mm. Well, there. this will be the second time I've made a Seinfeld reference to Paul in the last three hours. But there is an episode of Seinfeld where George and Seinfeld are having coffee at the table. And George goes, what's the Netherlands? And then Seinfeld goes, that's like Holland, right? And he goes, well, that's Holland. Who are the Dutch? <laughs> it's just so true. Like, it's, it's very hard. So Holland is, yeah, like a province within. Or a state. Or yeah. a state within. Like, I think, where's The Hague? Is The Hague in yeah, the Holland? Hague, yeah. The Hague is in Holland. So The Hague is, isn't that the European capital? Like, of the EU? Sure. That's where the international court is and stuff. Right. Yeah, right. Um, and I feel like I have so many Dutch things that I want to tell them about you, but I also want you to be able to speak them for yourself. Well, hey, Katie, why don't we do this? Why don't you ask him questions that you know will lead him to tell us cool things? How about that? Well, Katie kind of loved the Dutch already because we used to own New York. Okay, that's rude. That's true. <laughs> they were the original owners, right? Yeah, that's that's correct. And then we made the mistake of trading it with England for a bag of gold and Suriname. Yeah, that, that was a bad trade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I am very interested always um, in like World War II stories and his grandparents lived in occupied Netherlands when, um, during World War II when the Nazis were occupying the country. 
and um, his mother could tell you a lot of stories, um, but I feel like Niels could probably say some of uh, some that maybe he knows. Yeah, so yeah, both my uh, my grandparents uh, were during the occupation. Um, my grandma lived on a farm, so they didn't have it too bad because they grew their own food. But in the end, the Germans basically took everything, so they were basically eating uh, tulip bulbs in the end, making soup out of grass, that kind of stuff. My grandfather actually went into hiding because he didn't want to be enlisted to the German army, because basically, once the Netherlands were occupied, they made every Dutch guy enlist in the German army to continue their war. So he was in hiding for at least a couple of years. And um, ever since then, when I was over, when I was younger, um, we could not not finish a plate of food because their fridge was all to the brim with the most delicious stuff. And if I would not finish my plate, they would genuinely get upset because of what they were lacking back in the day. Did, did they uh, survive the war? Yes, they did, yes. Um, so my, they were young. Um, I think they met after the war. Um, and uh, had my mom, of course. I'm, I'm mostly, that's most of my memories. They told me most of it's from my mom's side. And uh, they met after the war. My uh, grandfather went into the army. He went to India, which was uh, Dutch India at that time still. Uh, which he was in the army for a couple of years and then they had my mom and my aunt and I think my when did my grandma pass away last year to Halloween not this past year but the one yeah. before so about a year and a half yeah. she passed away so up until about a year and a half ago um, and also stemming from that didn't you tell me there's like a saying that if Germans if ask for, like there's a very rocky relationship between Dutch and Germans to this day. And there's like a saying that about the bicycles, maybe your mom told me, someone told me that if a German asks a Dutch person directions, they're like, I'll tell you if you give me my bicycle back first, <laughs> because they took everyone's bicycles when it was. Awkward. So yeah, a Dutch are honest. Well, very honest people. Like we will, if you ask us how we feel about you, we will tell you. And to a fault where I'm like, can you just lie a little bit? <laughs> I'm like, how do I look today? He's like, not great. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, how do I say that? Also a dark, dry sense of humor. So yeah, we say we hate the Germans, which is not the case. Um, we have a, we just like dark jokes and we like to joke about dark stuff because I, and that's my belief as well, is you only break taboos with humor. So, yeah, we would say, uh, where's my, what, can you tell me how to get here and here? And it's like, yeah, if you give me my bike back, because the, the Germans would take all the bikes to get the steel out of them and make more weapons. Mm. Yeah, wow. wow. Yeah, Germans weren't very popular for a really long time. I think they've repaired a lot of their reputation, certainly. Uh, these days, but they went for decades without with, with being the pariah of the world, especially in Europe, obviously, because they had such right. a detrimental impact to most of Western Europe. And that's that's still like one of the jokes we make is 
Germans are a very proud country, like the Dutch and America. Like most countries are proud countries. But the one thing that stands out to me is like when German tourists would come to the Netherlands, they would refuse to speak English. And we get taught English in school in the Netherlands when we were, I would say, six, we would start learning English in school. And um, they would refuse to speak English to us and just assume that we spoke German and keep talking German to us, which is a, a running joke as well. And the Do languages are different, right? I mean, there, there's like, because uh, I know that uh, Dutch is similar to, I think, Flemish, what they speak in Belgium. Are you Correct. able to understand that? Correct. But German is just a completely different language. Yes. Um, it's, so from the outside, I understand uh, that people would think it's the same language, but we do not understand each other if you have not studied the language. Mm. Yeah, it was always confusing for me because uh, Dutch in English is like the language Dutch, and then Deutsch is German for German, and I would confuse those two things in my head. Oh, yeah, I think that stems from the actually the Amish, right? The, the Pennsylvania Deutsch. So I don't know a whole lot about it, but a lot of people think that the Amish speak Dutch, but it's actually they speak German and not Dutch. Mm. I have no idea what Amish people are saying to me. <laughs> he meets so many of them day to day. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, because um, I love to eat, that one of the first things that I started to talk to Niels about when we first started dating was like, cook me a traditional Dutch meal. Like, what do you guys eat? Like, your go-to for holidays and stuff. And he made me a potato dish. Which is actually very good. It's a mash. Yeah. It's got like potatoes, lettuce, and Andy. Um, so maybe we Dutch food, like what that looks like. Oh, you want to show it to him now? He got a package delivered today. I get a text message while I'm working from home, and he goes, "My Dutch stuff was delivered. Can you put the herring in the refrigerator?" And I go to the front porch, and I there's a huge box on the front porch, and I open it up, and it's just like refrigerator uh what do you call those packs like ice, ice packs with herring dutch free well so he's from friesland which is a different so like there's holland and then there's friesland it's another state it's like yeah. a different state and um they have their own language and so that he has like frisian mustard there's frisian horses maybe you've heard of frisian horses but mm -hmm. yep. um they uh he's got like a bunch of just like delivered food to our door Quarantine, living like a Dutch king, getting his herring, herring delivered. So far, I've, I've added up that we're, Daniel and I will get a tour of your uh, workplace, Niels. Correct. Mm -hmm. We'd love some wooden shoes. You can find some for <laughs> I, I, I think Flash and Trash sells them. I think I could find some in your size. I'm pretty much a pro at finding them at this point. <laughs> yeah, hey, would, would you recommend us uh, visiting for like a, a couple of week vacation, Niels? Definitely, but... Uh, what I tell a lot of people is, yeah, do Amsterdam, but do it for a day or two. Don't stick around because it's Amsterdam. There's mm -hmm. Amsterdam is one of my least favorite cities in the country. There are way more prettier, more historical cities out there. Is there a time of year that you'd recommend? Definitely spring or, yeah, definitely spring or summer. Okay. Because it's still, my, I was talking to my sister today and it was still near freezing today. Wow. That's not a good time to go anywhere when it's near freezing. Correct. Yeah. Niels, what, what brought you back to the U.S.? So ahead. I was 
in the Netherlands for a long, well, since I was almost five till, what is it, 28, 27, 28. And I always wanted to go to back to America. His so dad still lived my here. My dad lived here. He started his own company, uh, still lived here. Um, so we would visit every summer uh, for holiday. And he had a river house on the Rappahannock River in Tappahannock. And just feels like home, still does. Like we would go boating, fishing. We would bring our Dutch friends. They could come and visit. And when I was, I, I think since I was like 22, I wanted to move here for either a longer period of time or indefinitely but at a time like you have girlfriends and that kind of stuff you don't know how it's going to work out but the time i moved over i think it was 28 i just got out of a long-term relationship um just kind of living and i was like i need a change so i uh, called my dad is like hey can i come over and he was like of course so i packed two suitcases and booked a one-way ticket to uh, Richmond Airport. That's cool. So uh, your dad has a river place on the Rappahannock? Correct, mm-hmm. yes. And what's I, I, I bet it's gorgeous. Does he still have that place? Yes, yeah. he does. Yes, it's definitely, he's had that for, I believe, 20, at least 20 years now, 25 years maybe even. It's beautiful. And it's like his, just him owning a company, it's during the week, it's constant stress and staying afloat and that kind of stuff. So on the weekends, he would go there to unwind and fish and sail and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I've been lucky enough where I've had friends or uh, my parents in the last 20 years or so who had the opportunity to have places down there. And it, it's the most relaxing place on earth. Being yeah, next so to my, the river yeah, in that part of the world is just exactly. super relaxing. My dad used to come over there with my mom when they were young to Neighbors Beach. Um, yep. it, which is on the Warsaw side, so it's on Whoa, the other side of the river. you know Naylor's Beach? Yeah. And so my dad bought a place right, like I think 10 houses down from Naylor's Beach. Yeah, I, I uh, used to go to Calio all the time as a kid. Awesome, yeah. Yeah, near Calio. So I know, like, since I was like eight or nine years old, I've learned every, I probably know the creeks better and the river better than a lot of people from around here just because I've been fishing it for almost 15, 20 years. Yeah, the Y Comico, the Yeo Comico. Yeah. Yeah. You fish for gar? I've never fished for gar. On one of our first dates, he took me and he was, <laughs> he was fishing for, I have never fished in my life before. So I was like reading a book at the front of the boat and he was fishing and he, all of a sudden he's like, look at this. And he's got gloves on and he pulls this like dinosaur looking fish out of the water. And he's like, he's like you want to hold it? And I was like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do you uh, fish for gar? Because that's, I've never even heard of that. Yeah, so there's, uh, you, we fishing with a lot of times with live bait. Um, you have to do it in the current. They don't like slack tide. You fish near the, so gar, they come up, they're prehistoric fish, so they come up to breathe on top of the water, but that's actually not where they feed. They feed near the bottom, and they will only eat live bait. Like dead fish, they will just pass. And basically, because they have such a hard beak, you let them grab the fish. And, well, I don't know if you know, they have a very narrow beak. So they grab the fish uh, from the side, and they swim with it for a while. And then they turn it in their mouth and swallow it. So you have to wait for them to swallow it before you set the hook. So Daniel and I try not to Google during the uh, the recording of an episode, but I'm Googling gar right now. I think it's yeah, so They look like dinosaurs. It's a, it's a long-nosed gar. 
Yeah, they look like dinosaurs. Is it one R or two? Excuse me? One R or two. One R. Um, and you can't eat them because their scales are so very thick. Very bony. Like very bony and, yeah. Oh my gosh. Wait, you don't, you don't eat them? You no, don't. no, it's just catch and, catch and release. Oh, so it's like purely for the, the puzzle solving? Yeah, exactly. It's sport. Or, yeah, exactly. Wow. Not Bass Pro, or what is it? No, not Bass Pro. Carbellas? No, Bass Pro. They have my oh. Bass Pro in their aquarium. Yeah, their giant aquarium, yeah. Very cool. So you came back here, and you were here for work uh, a little bit, and then we've heard Katie tell the story, but we'd love to hear your side. How did you meet Katie? Well, uh, there was this, well, I moved to America and... <laughs> I'm nervous. Why am I nervous? <laughs> you should be single, um, living with my dad at the time and my stepmom, uh, which was great. I loved that they welcomed me, but I was at some points happy that they went to the river on the weekend so I could have some time for myself. And I was like, well, I'm kind of sitting in the house. I should do something. So I downloaded this app called Tinder. It was... It's fairly popular. I don't know if you know it. And, oh, I'm familiar. Yeah. So, yeah, and I, I didn't even swipe right to Katie. I swiped up, which was called a super like. Super likes me. Wow. Oh, I didn't know, I didn't know the super you, you only get one free one a day, so, you know. That was me that day. She was that day with a super like. <laughs> and somehow. And I could yeah. tell on my end that he did it because it, when it shows you that someone super liked you, it gives you like a big blue star and they were like super liked. And I was like, all right, well, let's see what's going on. Sorry. Yeah. So um, I think we talked for almost two weeks on the chat before we even swapped numbers and stuff. Yeah, I think so. It was not immediate because I, that I was the only person I had ever met off of Tinder. I had moved back only a couple months before Niels had moved back. So that was another thing. We moved back relatively the same time. Like, yeah, I moved back in April and you were December. I moved back right before Christmas of yeah. 2016 and he moved back in April, 2017. So I, I was fresh out of a relationship. He was fresh out of a relationship. We both got Tinder and then he was the first person that I met off of Tinder. But yeah, it took us a couple weeks to kind of like figure out where to go. Yeah. So yeah, then I was like, we were talking for a while and I'm not the most outgoing guy. So I was kind of shy. I don't know. Like, does she like me? Does she want to go out? I don't know. Um, and I was going on a fishing trip with my dad. Uh, in, into uh, Florida to uh, uh, the Everglades. Na Naples. Oh. Uh, yeah, which is the Everglades. Oh. Um, so I was like, I don't know if I'm going to have reception in that damn place. So I might as well ask her out because I might not talk to her anymore. So I was like, hey, you want to get a drink? And basically, Katie set it up. Uh, we went to uh, what's the place called again? Quirk Rooftop. Quirk, Quirk Rooftop. <laughs> and we said, if, if we enjoy each other's company we'll have dinner at comfort afterwards which is across the street mm -hmm. which sadly doesn't exist anymore it just closed yeah. uh, what a bummer. I, i've been there a couple times it's yeah it's, great. it's been there for forever i think it yeah. was there when i started vcu in 2005 and then i think it closed its doors even before this whole coronavirus yeah. thing yeah, even it was, before. yeah. so that's yeah that was our first day uh drinks at work rooftop and that was the first time I, I basically saw the whole city from the top and Katie showed me where the raceway was and the squirrels, uh, baseball and all that kind of stuff. 
So how long did you guys date before uh, you knew she was the one, Niels? Great question, Paul. Great question. Well, <laughs> pretty soon, actually. We, we, we started dating at, <laughs> probably after three or four dates, I think. That's when it got more serious. And then we went on your birthday to Tennessee, to the mountains. Shortly after we started dating was my big three zero birthday. 30 for people. <laughs> yes, thank 30. you, Niels. 30, that means 30. Uh, and I had all of my best friends going to Dollywood for my 30th, uh, owned by the one and only Dolly Parton. I, I don't mind saying that's a little weird. What? I wasn't there for Dolly Parton. <laughs> <laughs> Who doesn't love Dolly Parton? I, I love Dolly Parton, but, uh, and I've been to Dollywood and I can't say I'm going back. The Smoky Mountains? Okay, I will say it was a lot different when I was younger than it was when I went as a 30 year old because when I, went, when I was younger, I thought it was like a Bush Garden situation, but going as an adult, it's a little different. But the best part was we got an Airbnb in the mountains and it had a balcony that looked over like the mountains. The whole valley. The whole valley. Yeah. So it was September, all the leaves were starting to change. It was beautiful. So that, that part was fun. The Smoky Mountains are amazing. I love the Smokies, but Dollywood's not my thing. It was a sh it was sticky, or what do you call it? Like it's uh, sticky. It's... What is sticky? <laughs> how would you just how would you define sticky? Like oh, uh, commercially yeah. or fabricated, just like trying too hard kind of thing. Yeah, and we found out it was a sober park which for your 30th birthday, I was like, everyone, we're going to go to this amusement park. We'll drink beers and we'll go on roller coasters. And then we got up there and we were like, we'll have three beers, please. And they were like, not today. <laughs> but we did not have any beers, but which was probably for the best. Uh, well, you probably had a blast in the mountains though. Yeah. Gatlinburg's not far away either. Actually, maybe we stayed in Gatlinburg. I don't remember, but Niels ended up, we had just started dating and yeah. it's probably what, like six and a half hours, six drive. and a half hour, seven drive. And he made the drive out there after work on Friday. Out, he worked a whole day and then got off work and then drove six and a half hours to meet me and my friends for my 30th birthday party. How long had you been dating at that point? September. Two, two, two months. months. Yeah. You, Niels is in. <laughs> totally in at that point. And so, yeah. on my actual birthday, when we were there, that's when he dropped the L word that he loved me. Oh, 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 oh. Wow. <laughs> Smooth, right? Smooth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did, did you know work? any of Katie's friends? Or were you just going and saying, I hope I, her friends I are cool? That, no, I, I met a couple a, a few times, like at parties and that kind of stuff where she brought me to, but never like that. So it was, I was overwhelmed to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a particular friend group. They're wild and crazy, but I love them to death. But it was really funny to bring him into the mix. Not just like, I'm dating this new guy, meet my friends, but it's like, I'm dating this new guy, spend an entire weekend in one house with everybody. And uh, mm. it was a lot. That, that's a lot to take, for sure. Yeah. Yes. And she knows them, and you, and you really don't. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. Niels, <laughs> Niels is a keeper, Katie, tolerating all that. Well, I would hope so. We locked it down. Yeah. So at this point, there's no turning back. <laughs> so, Niels, Katie has told me the story a couple of times where uh, she thought that ah, maybe we'll, we'll never get married. It's not a big thing in the Netherlands uh, to get married. Uh, so how long did you plan to ask her to marry you uh, before you actually did ask her? So basically, I'm the, one of the greatest call men alive. 
because um, I knew I was going to marry her at least half a year before that. And you, Katie, you knew he knew? Do you now know that he was thinking about six months ahead of time? I did ask him. After it was all said and done, I was like, when did you know that you were going to start like looking for a ring? And he said, I, you told me January. And you proposed in no, May. No, it was earlier than that. Because we, I have some friends um, who, her, their, their parents also have a river house somewhere. And we had a, a weekend uh, there where we just had guys, a lot of drinking. And I told the guys there, uh, to my friends, that I was at some point next year going to marry Katie or ask her to marry me. And that was, well, at least, at least half a year before I popped the question. Yeah, and nice. I think I started looking for a ring in when did my mom come over? April. Yeah, is yeah, that April? So two months before April, I bought the ring because it had to be made and stuff. And I picked up the ring when my mom was here, so she could see it before uh, she left from the, the states. And then when we were, she goes, "Katie, do you want to drive past the house that Niels was born in?" And what's it called? Bowling Green? No. Yeah. Battlefield Green. Battlefield Green. Yeah. And I was like, sure. So we got in the car and I was driving her out there and she was showing me where to go. And then we saw the house and we were coming back. And no, while- it was while you were leaving. Oh. When you were leaving to go to Battlefield Green, you were coming up to the to the 7-Eleven there, the gas station. Mm-hmm. And you were sitting waiting for the light and I saw you. And then I was like, oh, I'm going to pick up the ring so I can show my mom before she leaves back to the Netherlands so I can yeah. see, the, see the ring because otherwise she wouldn't see it till probably like September or October. Right. So I hopped in my car right after they left and I was sitting at the same light, but from a different direction. And I was just staring at them, hoping that they would not see me driving away. And I'm oblivious, but in the whole, this whole time he's sitting in the car with the ring and the car and I'm sitting with his mom, like chatting away, not even realizing he's like right there at the intersection standing with us. See that without video, Katie, we wouldn't have been able to tell the, yeah. uh, the positioning there, the proximity. <laughs> they, they were literally, literally two inches away from each other. I want to literally touching bumpers, and I didn't know he was there. <laughs> so, so it sounds like Katie, you were kind of like almost resigned to the fact that you guys might not ever get married. So, Niels, um, why is uh, marriage like less common culturally? Do you think? I don't, I don't actually know. Um, just not a lot of, so from my friend group, I'm the, I'm the, yeah, I think I'm the first one who actually got, officially got married. So uh, some of my friends already have kids and they will have like a, in the Netherlands we call it a registered partnership. So you acknowledge that you're partners together, which is almost the same as marriage, marriage but it's more for the benefit of the kid uh, kind of stuff. Um, What's that first word? The registered, registered, oh, registered. Okay. Yeah, I'm sorry. I still have trouble with some words. So basically, there's like a there's a mechanism in place in the Netherlands called registered partnerships, where like you still have you know stable parents and stable families without necessarily the need for a Western concept like marriage. Exactly. Yes. So if you would end up splitting up, you would still owe like the alimony and that kind of stuff. It's almost the same thing, but it's not as ceremonial as a marriage is. Mm. One thing here that... um, And expensive. I think that we, as a culture, 
worry about that they don't is healthcare because they have universal healthcare. So here too, it's like if you're married and you have kids and one person loses their job, you can hop on their healthcare or if they have kids, like you can, it's, yeah. I guess a safety net almost. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, we have, you know, yeah. Universal healthcare. So they have, they don't have to worry about that because everybody has healthcare over there. Must be nice. Right. What's that like? It's, yeah. It's nice. It's well. When I lived there, it's 120 bucks a month for everything with a 400 dollar deductible, and that's it. So they do have to pay like fees, but if you say have an appendicitis or something like that, where you're in the hospital for a couple days, you're not charged 100 thousand dollars for a few days in the hospital. 400. 400 bucks. Yeah. So you do pay monthly fees. And it's only but... yearly. So if you go to the hospital twice in one year, you only pay that 400 once. Right. Yeah. So you sounds still... like a much better deal for sure. Yeah. And it's, it's not only doctor's faces. So it's also physical therapy. It's your eye care. It's your dental care. Um, even mental health care is included in that. Wow. Yeah. Hey, so Niels, tell us about the day uh, that you proposed and, and what led up to the proposal. Oh. God, I, so uh, I used to, when I worked there, I started working for my dad's company um, in, um, in the robotics uh, just to have a job because my background is social work. Uh, that's where I graduated in. But I ended up staying with my dad's company be, just because I liked it so much. So I would travel. I, I got into the service part of it. So traveling, repairing machines, installing machines, and I racked up. An insane amount of miles in a year. So Paul knows about that. I do. Yeah. So when we went to Montreal, where I was going to propose, uh, I got us first class tickets for free because I racked up all those miles. And wait, I got that as a birthday present though. Did you know you were going to propose on my birthday? Correct. Oh, so I knew I was going to propose on my. That's no, it. maybe no, not. But I don't think I knew at that point but you got it and they choose montreal and then a few months later it's like okay that's where so my birthday september 16th and he said i could pick wherever i wanted to go in the united states or northern <laughs> north america he's like in the united states and i say montreal <laughs> <laughs> north- you can't north- contain katie Niels. never been good at no. geography <laughs> so i when, when we were starting to pack our bags i hit the the ring in my tool bag in the garage on the bottom shelf in the back. And then I moved it to my carry-on luggage, which when I took a shower the night before, I hung my carry-on luggage in this shower with me so Katie wouldn't snoop through it. I, I knew she wouldn't, but I just got paranoid. And I didn't think anything of it. I was just like, Niels is bringing his carry-on to the bathroom. I don't know what that's about. Maybe the Dutch just do that. Yeah, maybe that's just, like yeah. a Dutch thing. I don't know. But nerve, like <laughs> knee shaking, nervous all day, and like going through the planes and customs and going to the hotel. And we were gonna walk for a little bit, find a little cafe, cafe to drink beer. And I found a nice spot where I thought I was gonna propose. So I we walked through that spot, and there was this huge fair going on right in the spot where I wanted to propose. Like a pop-up circus. Like a pop-up circus like kind of thing was in town and ruining everything basically. And also on the way there, I was like, there's a cafe. They look, they look like they've got beer. And then we passed another one and be like, 
there's another cafe. They also look like they probably have beer. And he's like, we've got a mission. We're going. And I was like, all right, I'll yeah. follow you. But... So, yeah, we moved to the next quiet spot on the river in Montreal. And it was still very pretty. It was raining a little bit, I believe. It was sprinkling, yeah. Sprinkling. And when I went down on one knee, uh, popped the question. And then here, it was crickets for a solid minute. <laughs> Solid, was it a, really a solid minute or it just felt like a minute? No, I literally had to say, like, are you going to say yes or should I just get back up? Well, okay, you didn't say that. No, no, it's like, I, I... You said, are you going to say are yes? Are you going to say yes? Because she was literally standing there like... Yeah, well, I was shocked because he played that whole game where he was like, we don't get married in the Dutch culture. And I was like, well, I guess we don't get married. So he dropped to one knee and I was like, it's raining. That's wet. Do you want to get up? Like, what are you doing on one knee? And then I, it all hit me all at once. It's a lot. It's a lot all happening. Yeah, so I'll, I'll tell you the words I said because it will show you how smooth I am. <laughs> <laughs> so we were, we're standing there by the river, and I asked her, like, isn't this perfect? She was like, yes. And I said, well, I don't think so. She was like, well, what's the matter? And I was like, well, we're here as boyfriend and girlfriend, but we could be here as fiancés. And I was like, and she's like, what? And then it's when I took my ring out, took her ring out and asked the question. It was pretty smooth. Yeah, that's wow. very smooth. It was smoother than I did it, that's for sure. How did you do it? It's a boring story. Well, I, I went on a dog walk uh, in a, a park and just like, ah, this spot's just as good as any. But my, <laughs> wife, did, my wife vapor locked. She didn't answer for like 30 seconds. See, that's what happens. You get, you're just shocked and you're in the moment and also you're absorbing everything. Well, and, and then my, my wife just laughed and I'm like, <laughs> I, I don't think this is funny. I'm asking you a pretty serious question. It, it was clearly nervous laughter. We get back in the car to go back uh, to my place and she makes two phone calls to her mom and to her best friend. She gets off the second phone call and she said, okay, we're getting married August 1st. I'm like, <laughs> I'm glad right. to participate. August first. I I don't know. I have no. That's a great question. I'll have to ask my wife. Yeah. Well, I do have to say after all of this that I'm very, very, very thankful that we got married when we did because if we had waited one month later, all of the people from the Netherlands wouldn't have been able to come over for our wedding because of everything that's going on. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So yeah, right. You got married in February of this February, year. Yeah. February eighth, and I think. A month and a half later, everyone was quarantined and over there sooner than us. So, and I want to say, gosh, the amount of fun that the Dutch brought to the wedding, there was nothing as an American, like a foreign wedding. Like at one point they had all commandeered the, de the DJ's microphone and they were singing like Frisian anthems. And I saw my American friends and they were like Just singing along one. with it. And I was like, none of you know Dutch. What are you singing along to? And they were all, everyone was just having fun, drinking, singing along to Dutch anthems and American Dutch, my friends who have never heard Dutch in their lives, singing along to it. It's, it, it was fantastic. It was so good. Wow. So you guys had a, a party wedding. We had a party wedding. One thing I wish we would have done is like when they lift you in the chairs, I think it might be a Jewish yeah, tradition. Yeah, a very Jewish tradition. But it's, I mean, it's fun. It's fun. Kind of dope, yeah. My, my wife may or may not have come in the uh, room I'm in to correct something I just said. About the proposal? 
Yeah, well, I know more about the August 1st thing. She's you should bring her in. Is she still here? Yeah, tell us all about she's, she's why here. August 1st. We need her side of the story. Yeah, come, come on in, please. Oh, I'm here. <laughs> come on, we, we'll see we need your side of the story. Yeah, why is it August 1st? Oh, because that never that wasn't true. <laughs> well, we did get married August 1st, but apparently I just made up that entire story. Oh, oh no, I did call my parents. Um, but the whole yeah, we're getting married August 1st didn't work. What he's leaving out is that I'm a teacher, so I had to start school and um he has army so he can only take a certain amount of time off himself so um oh, yeah i may have been part of the decision i think is where this is leading yeah so <laughs> and, and, and the other thing is he refused to have the reception in a um in a hotel like you know so we had to narrow it down to like a country club or something because we have had a lot of people coming because his parents are the elite of Ashland. Yes, the, the <laughs> not well-known elite of Ashland. No. Are and, we, we're going to get back to Katie. In, in well, that. and I have a big family, so we needed a lot, a big space. And yeah. so um, that narrowed it down to only a couple of Saturdays. So it was either the upcoming summer or the summer after. No, same you, for us. Yeah. Same for us. You yeah. can't wait a whole year and then you have all that wedding planning hanging over your head for over a year. Well, and we were living together. And yeah. um my Catholic parents and his Baptist dad, that that wasn't that so we had to, we had to hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure that you had a lot of uh discussions with them about that. <laughs> yeah, so so that's that's kind of what all right. So my wife's being accurate. Thank you for being accurate. <laughs> I think we just found the new fact checker for the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the latest story for the last yeah. 25 years. Yeah. Well, that was, a, that, that was a fun guest moment. Um, so tell us about the wedding day itself for you guys. Oh, man. Beyond the, the uh, fun singing that we were talking about. It was like a dream. I don't even remember it. It was, I honestly have had to look at pictures that have come back to reminisce about the night because it was just such a whirlwind. But yeah, for me, it's almost the way I explain it. It's, it's a, a fog. Yeah. So the first, like, it's all a fog I have is in our honeymoon suite um, talking yeah. about the night. Yeah, we got back and the caterer had given us like Tupperware full of stuff <laughs> at the end of the night. And I was like, <laughs> he was just shoveling the food in my she's mouth because I was she's, so hungry. She's not saying that correctly. Oh, got another fact checker on board. Yeah. <laughs> so we went to bed, went to sleep, and uh, I wake up, like turn around, wake up halfway, and like, like grasp to see if I can find Katie, and she's not in the bed. I'm like, what the hell is going? Oh, sorry, what what's going on? And <laughs> it's three thirty a.m. at that point, and I was like, well, maybe she's in the restroom. Well, she wasn't, and I look around the corner of the bed, and she's just in her pajamas, shoveling leftover food in her mouth, like literally, <laughs> like going like this at three thirty in the morning, because we had didn't eat anything during the wedding, because of course everybody's talking to you. You and, have to say hi to one hundred and eighty yeah. people, but people flew in from everywhere: the Netherlands, his family, West Coast, West yeah. Coast friends from New York, Florida. Florida. It was insane. And then um, we had the rehearsal dinner the night before at the Hard Shell. And then my best friend, Melissa, who is also my maid of honor, she's a manager at the Jefferson, and she booked us a hotel at the Jefferson the night before. So me, Melissa, 
and his sister Malou, which is short for Maria Louise. Um, we stayed at the Jefferson the night before and we stayed up pretty late having some cocktails at the Jefferson bar. And then at some point we were like, we've got a big day tomorrow. We should probably hit the sack. And so I woke up, we woke up and we did hair and makeup in at the Jefferson in our room and then went to the venue. And then you guys were already at the venue. And then I think it just started to feel real when I saw all the buses coming in. Cause we had like rented buses for everyone to take. So they didn't like drink and drive. So once I saw the buses come through, I knew, uh, it was actually happening. And Neil said he wasn't going to cry, and he cried like a baby. <laughs> I have pictures yeah. of it. Proof. So that's the third time you've told me that, Katie. Which <laughs> getting, it's kind of getting old. <laughs> <laughs> It'll never get old. <laughs> Katie, did you cry? Uh, yes. Did I? No, not, not, not when she saw me, when she heard her mother talk. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not usually a crier. I don't really cry a lot. I don't, I'm kind of, um, kind of a stoic woman. I, you know, when I cry is when I'm mad. I, if I'm mad, I cry. But like, even when I'm sad, I don't really cry. Or when I'm happy, I don't really cry. I have to, I don't know. I think Neil's probably cried more than I cried at the wedding. Probably. I was emotional inside for sure. I'm not dead inside. I just don't like. You, you don't have to defend the fact that you didn't cry. <laughs> You're not dead inside. That's good. I'm not dead inside. I had feelings. I just didn't show them this way. <laughs> cool. Hey, uh, totally switching topics here. Niels, I'm under the impression that podcasts are really popular in Europe and in the Netherlands in particular. Is that true? To be honest, I have no idea. Okay. So when I moved in the Netherlands, I know it was kind of starting in the Netherlands when I uh, moved, which is 2017. In mm -hmm. 2007, beginning of 2017, and I knew it was kind of starting there, but I only got into podcasts really when I met Katie. And well, our our senior podcast coach is uh, clearly very into podcasts. Yes. Well, I if if I come home from work and Katie is cooking, I have to turn the TV up because she will listening be listening to a podcast while she cooks or listening to a podcast while she's in the bathtub or in the shower or doing her makeup or drinking or whatever. Okay, we get it. We get it. She listens to a lot of podcasts. Mm. Like, hey, Niels, we need a handful of people in the Netherlands to listen to this episode because that will launch us into our second continent. Well, I know for sure that definitely, I'm almost certain that my mom will listen to it. And also his sister, because we FaceTimed with her before we hopped on this, and she was asking us all kind of questions about it. She's like, what are you going to talk about? And so she said, when we hung up, to send her the link as soon as it was ready. She's like, when will it be ready? When can we listen? How can we listen? So I was like, pump the brakes. You'll find out. We'll send you the link. Cool. All right. So sh should we ask you or Niels the uh, would you rather question? Niels. We'll go with Niels first. All right, so Niels, imagine you're 25 years old. You're, you have no attachments. You have no kids. You have no wife, no girlfriend. Uh, and you have two choices in front of you. Join the military for four years. It could be the Dutch military or the American military. Or do six months every week coming up with your own material in front of strangers for six months. Once a week for six months. What do you choose? 100% military. Wow. Emphatic. Is that the most common answer? Because that was mine too. 
Do you guys uh, it, it, I think we're at a ratio, Daniel, check me here, of like 12 military, three comedy so far. Close to that, yeah. So does that mean that well, majority think stand-up comedy across no, the board is part like, of it? Looking back, like I think a lot of people looking back when you're 25, you know you can use some structure, some guidance, telling you someone what to do instead of just doing stuff you want to do and maybe not doing the greatest stuff that you should, like maybe not doing stuff that you should be doing. So yeah, looking back at it at 25, I definitely needed the military. Maybe I still do. Not <laughs> 32. That's a very yeah. self-aware answer. Yeah. Yeah, very self-aware. Yeah, Katie, you said military as well, right? Yeah, I would rather be pushed physically, not saying that military doesn't have a mental aspect to it, but I would rather be pushed like physically into that aspect of it than I would to have to like come up with my own material, have it be funny, and then present it to a group of strangers and and then like, I don't know, that just seems like I'd rather try to do 100 push-ups. <laughs> not that that's all the military is, like that yeah, came out. You should early. ask Katie how much push-ups she can do. I've never done a push-up, not even with the knees on the ground. What? I can't do it. My arms can't. I think, I think you should have a goal. By the time you and I are back at work together, you should be able to do two push-ups. Two? Two. I just doubled it on you. <laughs> All right. Military style. Uh, knees or no knees? Uh, your choice. Okay, knees. I'm <laughs> <laughs> really pushing yourself, Katie. <laughs> And Daniel, which one would you choose? I said uh, comedy, actually, but I very much resonate with your point about structure and needing it as a 25-year-old. I'm in more of a place where I'm trying to put myself through situations of like adversity and suffering because I think I'll come out stronger the other end. And for some reason, when I was asked the question, the comedy seemed like more of the suffering than the military did. That, definitely, that's why I'm choosing the military. Yeah, definitely. That's funny to see everybody's answers and the reasonings behind them. That's a great question to ask everybody. As your senior podcast advisor, I... <laughs> oh, wait, 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 advisor now. Senior podcast coach to advisor. <laughs> <laughs> hey, so Daniel, any uh, last minute really thoughtful questions? I love putting you on the spot with that. Oh, man. You know, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. I have one before it ends, but only the lot for the last little bit. Okay, so this is the pre-last, last little bit, uh, where we ask you guys to name the episode. Oh. Did you how, know about, how about this? How about this? Wooden Shoes, Any Other Podcast. Hmm. Get wow. it? Wooden Shoes? Wooden That's shoes. incredible. I can't take... We, we cannot... I got it from a friend, a friend of ours who also has a Dutch husband that lives in the Netherlands. She came up with that phrase. She said, wouldn't choose anyone else. But she's also given me liberty to spread. She said that we could use that for our wedding hashtag and we didn't use it. So I say we use it for the podcast. Wouldn't choose any other podcast. I love it. I love it. I ju- it actually just hit me like a second ago. Now I get it. Paul. <laughs> if you had come up with that on the spot, Katie, I would be like, you should definitely go and do improv comedy because that's just gold, you know? God, I'm so sad. Well, this should sad. make you an advisor now, right? With this senior advisor? Yeah. No, I didn't come up with senior myself. podcast advisor. Yeah, she promoted herself like three times in the space of one podcast. She's she's doing better at pr- promoting her advisor status than we are for this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, hey, by the way, Daniel and I love our listeners. Oh, we sure do. 
And so do I, as the yeah. senior advisor to this podcast. I love the listeners. <laughs> so I was thinking the last part of today's episode could be Niels teaching you guys a phrase in Dutch and you have to learn how to say it. Well, I, I actually, Katie brought this up, but I think Katie should teach you because she's been studying Dutch. Oh. I'll be I'll be the senior advisor. <laughs> <laughs> nice deal. I think Katie should teach you to say how are you doing in Dutch. Okay, uh-huh. but while I'm doing that, you have to prepare how to say Daniel's thing. And what which one was that? Give, Give me, me my bike back. Okay. Sometimes it takes a while because he goes back and forth. He's been speaking English for so long while he's over here. Like his Dutch family will come over and when I watch him try to, it's like yeah. So yeah, for instance, in I, his brain, trying I, I to. I was FaceTiming with my sister just before this, and we basically speak all in Dutch unless Katie's there with us. Um, so, like in an instant, my brain goes back to thinking in Dutch. I still like I can, if I'm at work and I have to count over ten, I'll start counting in English until ten. But then if I go over ten, I'm like, oh no no no, I have to start over and count in Dutch. <laughs> huh. And then, like, little funny things, like, um, since we've been dating, the, like, what he'll say in English, thinking it's directly translated. Like, he'll, um, one time I was talking about flossing, and he called your gums the, ma- the meat in your mouth. He's like, you know, the meat in your mouth. And I was like, the meat in my mouth? And he's like, yeah, when you're flossing the meat in your mouth. And I was like, my gums? <laughs> you call it gum, like chewing gum. That's stupid, too. <laughs> I guess that's it's right. It's meat but- in your mouth. It is very literal. It's meat in your mouth. Yeah. Um, okay, so how are you? <coughs> how are you? It's a lot of sounds. So, like, get your throat ready. It's, like, very throaty sounds. Like, who got it? Try no, you guys say it. Well, who got hit? That was great. Oh, yeah. Daniel's, Daniel's a linguist. I'm a linguist. Ooh, I don't know about that. Don't buy it word for word, Katie. So first, uh, uh, who? 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 Hot. 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 Who hot hot? Who hot hot? Who hot hot? Who hot hot? That's how are you? And then when you do the you respond the response like I'm doing good is literally the reversal. Het no het uh, without the het 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 hot hot goed 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 so goed. Ooh, that sounded good, Daniel. That last goed. Oh, thank you. <laughs> do you guys want to get married? Um. Oh, <laughs> I'm a. I don't know. Who so, het het hot goed. And like, is there like a one syllable equivalent? Like, sup? <laughs> Great question. Um, yeah, I think we would say sup. Or like, you know, they have chow in Italian, I think. Not um, really a one word equivalent to how are you doing? No. Mm-hmm. I have learned his brother in law has taught me a lot of bad words. Like, he's like the kind of guy who would be like, say this Dutch word in front of everyone and they'll be very impressed. And then I say it and everyone's like, ah. <laughs> So if you ever want to know those kind of words, come this way, I can teach you. Yeah, let's not do that on the podcast. Not on the podcast. Nice, I like it. 
Hey, well, hey, it's been a ton of fun. Thank you so much for doing this. I hope the folks in the Netherlands enjoy this episode. Uh, I hope you guys had fun being on here. I know Daniel and I uh, had fun tonight. Definitely. Uh, really appreciate it. Thanks for appreciate having it. us on. Yeah, no problem at all. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Be sure to subscribe so you know when our episodes come out. Thanks for listening.